0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back. Let us learn today. We're going to be learning Lili Nishmas David Yosef ben Yisroch, that kohen that's Eliezer's brother, whose yard is boy Bayam. Um, also, Lili Nishmas moshe Gedalia ben Mordechai Halevi, that is Mr. Shulman's father, whose yard is Mandena. And Hashem, again, this should be Lili Nishmas as well. We respond the Shire responds Lili Nishmas Tzipora Feiga Bas Yaakov. That's Ed Stroh's. Ed Stroh's mother. mother. Who's your side? Uh, was Friday. Was Friday. As well, and uh, the show should have an Aliyah, um, and also the Pinchas Ben Brinzel, and uh, and apparently sponsored for a birthday as well. Happy birthday to the to uh, to the birthday boys. Um, say the name. It's okay. What was that? Okay, so it's, uh, it's happy <laughs> birthday <laughs> for Yaakov Zibon Moshe Thank you. Thank <laughs> you, thank you for those who those who worked it out. <laughs> this one wasn't on Facebook. Um, okay, so we actually, it's, I've had many, uh, I had many conversations this year, this in the past year, and the problem was is that we started learning last summer. We went through the fundamentals of faith. We did three introductions. We did, went up to Ikra number five, and we stopped. And so there have been a number of comments from people throughout the year, and they said, are there only five Ikre <laughs> <laughs> So in order to, to avert the misconception, we're going to actually continue a little bit in this. And in fact, it's interesting that, remember when we started learning the, 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 the Ikarim of the Rambam, the Ikarim are actually divided into three groups. And, the fir- and really essentially, the safer Ikarim argues that there are really only three Ikarim. He sort of melts down the Rambam into three categories, And the first category is the first five Ikarim, right? So it happens to be that's more dealing with God and who God is and how Hashem operates in the world. We left the, we'll call it the more tangible and exciting parts of the Ikarim, till now actually, which is, it's very hard, it's very esoteric, very ethereal, what we did last year. This is a lot more easy to to relate to, that is how Hashem relates to this world, than all the other parts of uh, um, the remainder of the Ikarim, which is where we start today. Following the law of parsimony, the Gemara Marcus says there's only one. So I said, there are five, so many. There's one. Yes, there's one exactly. So as, as you said, the, everything comes down to one. It does. I don't think it means to say that you only need to have that. Uh, but it, uh, but it's all well, we come down to this point. We condense it to a certain point. This is actually a very important point. And this in particular, ikar is something which is which which is interesting to us in the sense that it's more relevant to us historically unfortunately, than it is right now, but understanding it will, first of all, give the key to understanding Tanakh fully and properly. And number two, not only will it give us that key, when we look at things, we'll look at, it, we'll look at it with different eyes, but also it'll do something else. And that is, is that, God willing, we're going to be reaching a time where prophecy will be prevalent again. There will be communion with the, uh, between the divine and humanity. And understanding how that works and operates will help us be able to access that in the future as well. So on two levels, this is very important. You know, um, let, let's, let's start with let, the following. Let's, let's start with how it's phrased in the Ani Mamin. So after davening again, the, the Ani Mamin tells us the, that the sixth ikar is, at um, the, the bottom of the first source, Ani Mamin bemona shlema shakol divrei neviyem m's. I believe, with a full faith, that all the prophet's words are true. So what is, the, what, what is the actual belief? What's the, what is dependent on this belief? You need to believe that. Right. Prophets. You no, know, you see, this is a little... Uh, just be careful, yeah. <coughs> he doesn't say we need to believe in prophecy, because okay, that seems prophecy. to be the assumption of that, I mean, but we need to believe that gotcha. prophecy is true. Now that's interesting, because I would say, well, let's, let's take a step backwards, right? And that's, in fact, if you take a look at this, in the Rambam himself, when the Rambam explains these this uh, the the ikar to be found, remember the Rambam lists his thirteen ikarem and his introduction to Parakhelek, the tenth parak of Mishnayos in Sanhedrin. He says the following: <coughs> You should know <coughs> there are people with incredible. Incredible developed characters, the Shlemus and great sense of, of fullness, and, and, they, and therefore they can reach some sort of imagination or um, conceptualization, and they can access um, the divine or a divine flow, the and these are the the prophets, the and he goes on to to to, uh, to to describe it, and he goes on he goes into much greater length in Hilchos Yisodeh HaTorah. And the way it's phrased in Yigdal, as we said, is Shefa Nevuah Sanasana El Anshei which sounds like they're more of, the, of what it's saying. It's like Shalom was saying is that that the Rambam seems to be saying forget the fact that it's true, the fact that he actually communicates with us is is, is, is the is the is the Icar. Now, why is this so important? You know, to us, you know, why why is it so? Fundamentally important to know that there is nivu in the first place. Like, what, what, why is this? You know, there's, there's many things we need to believe in. Why is it that, 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 the, the, that believing in this is so crucial to understanding, to, to our, our belief system? Why? Why do we need this? What do you think? Well, otherwise, it's very easy to believe that Hashem created the world and set it up and let it go. Prophecy means it's an ongoing process. It means I'm interacting with the world as here. It's not just this Greek idea that it was a divine mover and just, and, and, let, and the world's going. Right. So that, that's an exceptionally good point. You know, it's like the story about the lady who's walking along the beachfront with her son, and this incredible wave comes along, sweeps away the boy. And there's nothing she can do. She doesn't know how to swim. There's nobody around. There's no lifeguard. And she, starts, she calls out to God and she starts um, praying and she says, You know, God, I've never been a religious person. I haven't done observ- have been observant in my life. But please, if you were to return my son just as he was, I'll, I, I'll, I'll, I'll turn over a new leaf. I'll become a new person. I'll lead a new life. And miraculously, as, she's, as she finishes um, speaking and praying, what happens is a wave, a wave miraculously sweeps him back to shore, lands in, right in front of his, her feet, and he starts gasping for air. And so she looks at him. She looks up. She looks at the boy, and she says, uh, "She says, you know, he had a hat." <laughs> you see, the part of the problem is, is that when God communicates with us in a a non-articulate manner, right? When God speaks to us, which is the way that we interact with God now, which is where we look to see God through the cracks, then you know we can draw the wrong conclusions, right? We can draw the wrong conclusions, which is unfortunate. Yeah. So part of maybe the, the necess- necessity of this, the beauty and the importance of this, is the fact that God makes it clear to humanity what He wants. Listen listen to the way that, that, that it's described in the Rabbeinu B'chayi. Rabbeinu B'chayi talks about exactly this point. He talks about where this appears is in the beginning of Sefer Vayikra. It says, Vayikra HaShem a-moshe. God called Moses, as opposed to Bila, Vayikra by Yikra, he calls to Moses. So the he's he he says uh, so he talks about how it's a losh and Qriy covered. The second line he says in source two, Umatsinu Shmitoi Kriyaso Shallak baruch Navi, tis barer amitas gimel inyanim. Through Hashem speaking to a prophet, a prophet, there are three things which become incandescently clear. Shaim Shor Shah Torah Upina uh which are the roots of the Torah and the cornerstone of Imunna. But Ayruhaim, Khidusha'alam that the world was created that God gives the Torah to Israel and the fact that there is an end game now, listen how he describes this what he's saying is is that When God communicates to the human being, at that moment, what is happening to us is the realization that there was a creation point, there is a game plan, and then in fact there's going to be reparations, and there's going to be an end, and we have to pay for it. Because why? He is interacting with us. We see what He wants, what He wanted, and what we're going to get for it. That all comes into into. Full definition, when we have that interaction with them. That's what the Rebbe Nechaia says. When uh, uh, Hashem communicates with you directly, it is a a clear sign of Hashkocha. Hashem has providence over this moment. You can't talk about hats anymore. Right, and it just shows us there was the beginning of the world. Became If the world was created, it must have been for a purpose. What's the purpose? Torah. That's the game plan. And then Amesim And that means to say, if there's obviously a game plan, that means to say there has to be there has to be rules. And if there's rules, that means to say there is also things you can transgress, and there's things you have to pay for. It's at in the end of the day, it's not so, not so simple. That's the, that's what the, the Rabbi Rebbeinu says along the lines of what Shalom was saying, which is which is that at that moment of communication, when God reaches out and there's this, this heavenly voice, you really understand what's going what's going on um, with, with, uh, without doubt. Similarly, actually, just on the same on the same uh, same level, um, you know, in um, in if you just skip to for a moment to source four, this is the Hakdama of Emunas Fedeos. who wrote Emunas Emunus This is Rav Sadia Golan. Right, Rav Sadia God was a not only just one of the Qadari Yisrael, one of the leaders of Israel at the time, he was also a, a, a philosopher par excellence, um, still studied today as a philosopher, not just in the Jewish circles. And he says in his Akdomatai Munus his Adaios, very interesting thing, I'm, just just, I'm not going to read the whole paragraph, but starting from the third line, this is in Perak he says, um, towards the end of the line on Perak he says, uh, He asks, Why is prophecy so important? He says, You know what, if we as human beings sit down and say, folks, let's create a moral system of values. You know, let's sit down, sort of clear the the table, and say, let's come up with a system of values and logic. So you know what's going to happen? You're going to get there, but it's going to take you a very, very long time to get to that point. Meaning, for us humans to sort of construct the system uh, from the bottom upwards, it's going to take a long time. You're going to get. It's going to take a long time to actually arrive at a. We'll call it a, religious, a religious, a religious system. So it says, God says, you know what, I'm going to make it easy for you. Instead of you having to sit there and work it out and tune it and fine tune it and see if you're right and maybe arrive at the wrong conclusions numerous times, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to broadcast sometimes. I'm going to make sure that it's easy for you to get this. Just tune in. You can hear what God wants to say and that's it. So instead of us having to arrive there, it's interesting because we live in a post-prophetic era. And a lot of times, a lot of the new issues that we have to deal with, we have to deal with, with our minds. We're sitting there, we're trying to work it out. You know, if you want to sort of, sort of you know, if you want to do it like, if you, want to, you know, critique of pure reason, right? So you want to start philosophically trying to arrive at a moral code. You want to start, you know, a mill, you're going to start utilitarianism. You want to understand how to operate in society. Okay, it's going to take a very long time and you might make mistakes. And you might not arrive at the end. You're not going to ever be sure if you really got there. The point of Nivuah, says the Rav is there's no Sveikos. It's clear. We know where we're going. We know what we're ending up with. God makes it incandescently clear. What's going to be the challenge for this, by the way, is if this is true, if what we're saying over here is true about Nivuah and the importance of Nivuah, then how does that leave space for? Because okay? we have to, meaning if, if God is now broadcasting and the, you know, this, the, the, this voice emanates throughout the whole world, this is what God wants. So how could you possibly do anything else? You know? Meaning it's, as long as there's a hat in the equation, then okay, I can still make my free will uh, my free choice and as, uh, and as absurd as the choices will be, I'll still make them because I'm trying to, you know, but if God's telling you, right, there's, it's not that the boys are being brought back to the, from the beach, it's God explaining to you in a very deep baritone voice as we... Right, uh, uh, as, as we mistakenly uh, think it is, then, then there's, no, there's no way around it. By the way, we're going to see that's not exactly how God communicates. So now, th- th- this is number one. The other side of this, this, this is the one side of the coin. The other reason why this is, this is so important is not so much that God is making it clear about his standpoint, but one of the, one of the reasons why this is so important is, is because from the other side, and this is such a, such a beautiful point. R- um, Rabbi Ezreal Talba has a, has a book called, called Pirkei Machshava on the 13 Ekarim and he says, he, he spends his time on this Ikkar focusing on a completely different point. Listen to the way he describes, this is a tamtis of what he says in source 3. Ikkar The point of this Ekar Einenu shenamin It's not that we believe that God communicates with us. That God actually now sort of has this this conversation. It's the belief that humans are worthy of that conversation. Completely different perspective. Isn't that interesting? Meaning on the one hand, wow, we believe God communicates with humanity. It's clear. On the other hand, we believe humanity is worthy. We're not just orangutans in the jungle. Right, meaning we're not just swinging from tree to tree and happen to try to find meaning in our lives. That means to say that we're worthy of having a, having a conversation with the divine. That that's an unbelievable. That's an unbelievable idea. In fact, the way the Kuzari tears creation is he tears it into, into four or maybe five levels. Um, which is where we talk about the inorganic domain, then there's, uh, the, then there's Tzomech, which is the plant life, with the flora, then fauna, Chai, and Medaber. Humanity it distinguishes itself from, from the, the, the previous the tiers of existence, the strata of existence, by the fact that, it commu- that humans can communicate. Part of that communication isn't just the fact that we can talk about coffee which is also great and everything, but at the end of the day, it's, it's that we can actually have a conversation with the divine. That's remarkable. And in fact, part of the way he focuses, his, his whole peric he has two problems on this, is how today can we ready ourselves to be as close as we possibly can to navua even though we don't have a navua today. That's what he focuses on, because the point is, is us. That's, uh, that's how he goes. Very fascinating. Two very uh, different uh, approaches. So now... <coughs> That's why it's important. Let's ask a few very important questions now, just, just basics, okay? So first of all, how does, uh, how does a person get there? What is the experience like? Are all Navi the same? How do they experience things differently? What, is the, what, is, what do they feel like when they're get, uh, receiving this experience? These are just some of the basic questions we should be addressing. So let's dive straight in. Like what's actually happening over here? You know, typically speaking, it's um, we think of it, you know, it's the guy who's, who's walking along the cliff walk. These, these, these stories all go very similarly. And, um, and, uh, and, and, he's, and he slips off the edge of a cliff, he's all hurtling the way down, and he grabs, a, he grabs anything he can, he's holding onto a tree branch, he's hanging there with one hand, Looking down, you know, 500 feet below him, there's the ravine, and this man, uh, this man happens to be an avid atheist. You know, he's, you know he, he has written books on atheism, and, and there he is, dangling, and he's got four fingers, and it turns to three fingers, and he knows that it's just a matter of time. And so after a while, he looks up, and he says, if there is anybody up there, please help me. And then there's a, a, there's a silence, and a moment later, a deep baritone voice uh, rings out and says, you know, George." I want you to listen to me. He says, God. He says, George, I want you to trust me. Anything, God, please just help me. He says, George, I want you to let go. There's a long silence and he says, is there is there anybody else up there? <laughs> you know? So that's that kind of a and we, we're sort of trained to think of nevuah like that, you know, which is kind of like a childlike, childlike kind of thing, you know. God's there, you know, playing it. You know, just just recently on, um, I think it was the Colbert Nation, you know, he, uh, the, the day after Trump won the nomination, so there was he had a conversation with God, you know, about how, how, God, how could you let Trump happen? That was like his, uh, you know, he had one of these conversations, and like you know, we we we're miss we're we're. Mis- we're, we're We're misled to a certain way of thinking how God speaks. And we think of, you know, God with this big white beard and glasses, you know, floating up there in space, you know, having a deep conversation with us. That's not exactly how it happens. So let's let's try to get... The sense of what really goes on. Here's what we're, going to, what we're going to do: is we're going to move between Rambam and Ramchal because they really are the two who really give a great, who sort of spread this out very clearly to us. So let's do a little bit of both. Okay, we're not going to do all, but a little bit of both. We're going to start with the Rambam in Torah The Rambam says in so in the first uh, in source five, this is our Aleph in Perigzayin. He says This is where he expands on. What he's talked about in the Gemilkarim, okay? Because when he says this word, you know that's he was referring to one of the Karim he referred to in his Pirush Mishnahs. Okay? He's not going to tell it explicitly, but this is what he means. He says one of the foundations of knowledge of, of religion is "Leder Shachel that God speaks to human beings. That uh, it only appear, uh, appears to somebody, uh, God only appears to somebody who's who's strong in his middles, I mean a person who's got self-control. He isn't just living with instinct, and he is not a person who will let his instincts override him. <laughs> he has he got a wide sense of knowledge, but the point is that he's not an impulse person. He isn't a person who just, you know, just makes a break for, for his diet, so to speak, or whether it be physically or intellectually or emotionally or psychologically, right? He's 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 in control. He's driving. When a person is full in all these middles and physically, when he enters Paradise, Paradise is of course a Kabbalistic term, term for, you know, obviously Paradise is of course the same consonants as, as that. This is the, the term the Gomorrah uses for, you know, the next realm. When he enters into these deep matters and these distant matters, Tieloy Das, As he does that, what happens is he slowly distances himself, him or herself, to be fair, um, from the ways of regular people. This person sort of cleans themselves out that they're not going to ever be thinking about the regular mundane Wrote experiences of the world. They so to speak, their mind is always sort of heavenly resting, um, directed. And he can look through everything in the earth, from the lowest to the highest, and he sees God this is this is the kind of life that that person needs to leave me ya raka qadishara i at such a point then hashem descends upon him he has raka qadishara wa ishitanu wa qala rakh ruakh is tisarif nashab malasama lahim and he crime is when he sort of ascends to the level of these lowly lower angels called ishim. we afach ish acher he will turn to a new human being bi yavin bada to shayna kamaish shahayya malas shabena and this person sort of arrives at the next level. So, number one is, the, the, the important thing you see from the Rambam is, not anybody has Nevoah. The only type of person who has Nevoah is a person who has worked jolly hard on themselves to become a person who is beyond impulse. A person who is working spiritually on themselves the entire life to get to, to, to this point. This, by the way, leaves us one question, which is? Mr. Exposure? Belam. Belam wasn't, you know, you know, Bilam wasn't exactly our, you know, our most uh, spiritual, spiritual aspiring fellow. So what we're going to do is we're going to deal with that message next week, because remember, he's tagged along with Moshe Rabbeinu, interestingly enough. Okay, we're going to have to sort of work out how Bilam operates. In general, this means to say that when we're receiving Nivuah, when we have people receiving Navuur, it isn't just like, you know, one day, you know, he's falling down and he catches onto a tree and God speaks to him. That doesn't happen. People who, people who, are, people who are working on themselves are the people who are God in might. Um, interact with. Now, how is, is, uh, in, this, in this experience over here, just, uh, just so we should appreciate this fully, what does it actually feel like? So, you know, so, you know, so like let's say this person has been spending their whole life, an ascetic kind of life, thinking about God, contemplating on God, working on themselves, so, how, so what happens? You know, like, okay, so, so now they sort of prepare themselves, so what, what do they experience? So Ramam says a very very interesting, a very interesting description. The next paragraph um, he says, malos, malos there are many different levels. No, not everybody's the same. Okay? B'maria la'el b'chizoyan layla. So don't get so excited. It isn't like God has a conversation, a lucid conversation with them, you know, while they're walking down the street uh, on their way to lunch. What happens is is that they have they uh, it's it's at night. It's a night experience. Let's say a person has a fit. You know, like a person has an epileptic fit, so to speak, and falls asleep in the day. They faint. Right? So in a non-physical, non-lucid experience, that's when they can experience God. A regular Navi, Hashem says, I only communicate in a non, we'll call a conscious state. When the Nevo is happening, their, their, their limbs are trembling okay there there's it's almost like a fit going on their body is sapped of strength it's almost like you know what, what's happening over here is you have a human body a human and the human being has this physical body but the physical body is a hindrance to the to the experience of communion with the divine so everything about the human the human the body is, is, so to speak, you know, being pushed back because of the experience of the divine coming in. It's, it's shaking, it's trembling as this is going on. I mean, you can think about how, t- how terrifying this experience is. This isn't so much of a conversation, this is more of an experience. Um, Where is that referring to? When it talks about Avram, there's this fear, this great darkness which falls on him. Where is that referring to? The brist Ben So when Avram was having this vision, it wasn't that Avram was walking around. If you were to take a snapshot of what was going on, you'd see Avram lying on the ground. Right? Meaning to say Avram Avinu wasn't commun, wasn't speaking to God in the same way. He was in a he was in a, a, a subconscious state of experience of God because that's the only way he could experience it. Were trance. Man. Right, in a trance. So like with Bilam, remember even when Bilam communicates, he, he says to the angels, stay tonight, because he knows he can't just the only exception we're going to deal with next week is Moshe, who can, have, can actually have a conversation. Okay, so there's, there's, this experience is not the same way we always picture it. It's a very, very powerful experience. By the way, when we get to, it's interesting to notice that the Rambam, in a n- numerous cases, will actually argue that numerous stories that we see in Tanakh are in fact nevuah. So for instance, an example, Vayera, at the beginning of Vayera, the Rambam believes the whole story of those three angels, because how could a human being see angels? Was actually Avram Avinu was actually experiencing that as this. As a, as a prophecy. Similarly, he believes by the fight was Yaakov and the, and the angel. is another place that the Moran of says that Yaakov, it wasn't... Uh, it, it, um, one second. Yes. The with the, um, um, it was also a, a we'll call it in a, in a trance state as well. Numerous examples of, yeah, of, of how this works. But the experience itself is not one where it's, it's in this dialogue as we experience it. Yeah. I, I believe, I don't remember, but maybe it was Shoal he approached that, that, that there was a group of... Uh, Nabi'im. Nabi'im. yeah. That, that they were... Nabim. yeah. So that's a good call, you're right. So when Shalomelech actually first, when he first becomes king, Shmuel tells him, Do you know what's going to happen, he tells him so he predicts the rest of the day. And one of the things he predicts is he's going meet to the, meet these people who are Misnav'im. Right? And then they say to him, Agam shol banavim, he sort of joins them. I don't know what, it's, you're right, it's hard to understand what exactly that means. Or what kind of state are they in as they're misnabim? Is it Ruach HaKodesh? Or is it, right, because Ruach HaKodesh is a level of you're still in, in control, but you're being divinely inspired. So there might be a, a balance between them. I wonder. That's a very good question. Excellent question. I, I, I'd be interested to go there and see how the Rabbag and Radak, sort of, you know, who are on either side of the spectrum, will understand that. Very, very good question. That's when he's first appointed. or there. So, um, that, that's the experience itself. Now, let's, let's, let's go a little further. Interestingly enough, so what, what happens? So the, so the person's now, we talked about a person who's worked on themselves, they're experiencing God now, and, and, and it's, this, it's, it's this physically tremoring experience. Now, so what do they see? So, you know, they usually come out and they say, you know, so shall be in the future. Was that what God said to them? Meaning, are they listening to a voice which is telling them, you know, the lottery numbers? And what, what's happening to them in, in this experience? So the Ramchal says, that happens to be tangential. Listen to the listen to way the Ramchal describes in Source 6. Ramchal, Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzer, has a book called Derech Hashem. Derech Hashem is essentially an encyclopedia to Judaism and to life. So he talks about every concept. And he breaks it down to very simple simple terms, and um, although it's very Kabbalistic. But nonetheless, he, exp- he explains it um, in very simple terms. This is how he puts this. He says, He talks about prophecy. What does it mean? A person has real cleave, connection. Um, he's able to cleave to God fully. He's able to to experience that clinging to Hashem. Mm-hmm. which means the honor of God in this world. Mm-hmm. as we going explain. His experience of God will be so tangible to, to that person. That when they wake up, it'll it'll be so true and so real, like what we see today. Like this table is real. That's how real the experience of God will have been to them in their in their experience of God. That's that's how uh, uh, how how much it is now, which is interesting. So what is nevuah nev- according to the Ramchal? Nevuah is is a commun is, is experiencing God. That's what it is. Now, by the way, he says. Achieving this connection to God while still alive which is a huge level by the way when you come close to God accompanying you will be a number of now uh, effects. or, or knowledge, will come with that. What is that? you understand certain ideas about the world. Of the secrets of Hashem. Now that you're connected to the Divine, then you'll understand the workings of the world. You'll understand the workings of the future. But it's not, it's not that God's telling you this is the future. You know, it's not that God's coming along. It might be in certain cases that God wants you to tell you a certain thing to tell the people. And therefore, God will tell you exactly what to tell people. But in general, a person's arriving at the sublime state. The state is a state of connection with Hashem. And being in that state allows the person access to certain, certain, we'll call it, you know, it's like the matrix of the world. You know, the numbers which are coming down, have deal. You have access to the inner system, right? Beyond the windows cover, you know, of, of the world. You're getting a sense of what's really going on in the world. Okay, so that is what happens. One second. So here we, here, here we are. <laughs> fascinating, fascinating, fascinating point. So the, the, the Ramchal is saying, this is very important, is that when a person's having Nivuah, their main point is actually having that connection with Hashem. By the way, they're experiencing also the, the, the underpinnings of the reality. They're getting a sense of what the future will hold, how the world works, how they can interact with the world. Sometimes Hashem will say to them, there's a specific prophet, prophecy that I need you to convey. That's true. But that'll be as a product of their communion with the Divine. So do it, does it yes, Ivy? I just a quick question. So sure. so according to so, Rampal, right? It, an individual it doesn't for instance just it, could it you experience God and you experience a communication with God without necessarily having an meaning like you reach the to a yes, certain totally. extent, right? And you feel the presence you feel whatever through some whatever it is that you do, right. like a heavy, you know, prayer, heavy, you know, you know, how do you say, uh, his uh, spidernos, the spiders, all the all the right. things that go there. As, oppo- as opposed to you know actually having a nevuah, right? You know, is there a way of achieving it point to Rambam without actually having experiencing the nevuah? You can get close. Well, you can get close because remember that. Listen to this interesting point over here, going in that like, direction. This is a lifetime of work to arrive at this. Does everybody get there? Yeah. So that, that that you know, let, let's be honest. You know, does everybody who does this arrive there? You know and and, and and if they arrive there, how does that, how does it how does it start? Right? So interestingly enough the Ramchal actually continues. He says, he says it's just it, uh, it, uh, on exactly on your point. This is uh a paragraph in, in Derach Hashem, he says, <laughs> It's not gonna happen once. It's not gonna happen suddenly, you know, boom, you you you, you right? <laughs> this experience is like so this meditative place. The person gets higher, and higher, and higher in. <laughs> it takes a lot of training. <laughs> like any good wisdom or, or profession. <laughs> that a person has to work to get their, their, their clarity. <laughs> he says there were, in fact, academies of prophets. You go to Sh- in Shmuel, there were academies of prophets, which means that people would dedicate their lives to a person who had a spiritual inclination. They would go to a place and they would spend their life training to arrive at this point in time. Did everybody make it? The Rambam says, take a look at, just reverse for a moment, the last paragraph of the Ramam in source 5. Again, Parikh Zion. He says in the last two lines, Those who want to become Nivem are called They are the children of Naviam. That means that they're students in these academies says the Rabbim, you could spend your entire life trying to get there and you may not get there. I mean, it doesn't mean to say that your life was worthless. It means to say that your entire life was self-perfecting. That's, but you may not actually, Hashem may not choose to have a communion with that individual. There, there were, there, this, this was a lifetime's work, which was the, 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 the initiation of the relationship was on God's side. How did they first start experiencing it? So we have a few examples. Not everybody started experiencing it and realized that what was actually happening. Okay, so classic example is Shmuel. Shmuel Hanavi. Let's take a look at this. The Ramchal continues. Source 8. He says, he says, it may be that God starts appearing, like meaning like the light starts flickering to this individual who's spending his life working working. And he won't realize that this is actually happening. He won't realize that this is the point of transcendence between meditation and into the divine. They think that it will be a sense, a regular sense. Now remember, we're limited by five physiolog- physiological senses, right? We're, we're limited by those senses. Those are the only way we can communicate. In fact, there's actually nine, if you want to be more specific. There's nine real senses. Um, a lot of studies out on this. But nonetheless, we're limited to those scopes. So you'll think that it's one of those senses. Until the the chef of Nevoi actually arrives in them, then they'll realize. This is what happened to Shmuel at the beginning. At the beginning, Shmuel was a young man. He was living in the Mishkan. He was living with the sons of Eli, and he didn't realize what was going on. He heard a voice when he was sleeping at night hear this voice, and nothing else. And, he say, and then he suddenly realized that this is what was happening. What, which means to say that when Shmuel was having this prophecy, what was his first response when he has this voice, he thinks? Yeah. he thinks it was actually his mentor, his, so to speak, step, stepfather Eli, the Cohen, because he couldn't imagine this experience was transcendental. He thought that it was regular. So this, at the beginning of this experience, it become, it, it's very hard for them to realize a novice to realize this is actually happening as, as, as it goes on. Fascinating, right? All the different the, the, these, these different details of how, how it works on. The training, the, the, the personal growth necessary, the fact that Hashem chooses and may not choose to, to do it. How a person actually experiences this physically. All these details are very, very important to understanding in Navua. Let's, let's take it a little further. So if, is this, if this is true, yes. But doesn't this contradict the fundamental idea that, that it's an acquired skill? It he is. Was a young man, right? Very young, You're right? And he's getting revelation, which he doesn't even understand, which means he's really not prepared to receive it yet. That's a good question. Which means that there must be something physically different, or. God chooses someone else to speak to right. early on, maybe right. revealing that I'm yet going to speak to you, and yeah. therefore you better be prepared and take yourself in a direction. I, I agree with you. I, I think it's both. I think right. You're, you're right. It's a little bit of both, because Rabbi Shmuel was an extraordinary young man. Already we have droshas of chazal, that he was making droshas at the age of two, perhaps, uh, perhaps... About like he ju- right. he So he you know, was adult. a very special person. But remember, he was a supernatural being in the sense that physically he wasn't supposed to exist. And it was only through Chana's prayers that he actually a- a- accessed this world. He was a Nazir. He was I- in the house of God. So there was a lot special about Shmuel as well as it also being chosen. He sort of earmarked in the beginning. It sounds like this is the Neviim that weren't recorded in Tanakh. Oh, good. Because there are all these other Neviim. Bingo, right. So as if opposed, this is... Right. it is point taken well. So if this is true... Now, how many Nabiim do we have? Meaning, if we read through Tanakh, how many Nabiim do we have? 48. 48 men and 7 women who are recorded as Nabiim and Nabiim through Tanakh. Right? That, that, that is what we have in the 24 books of Tanakh. So if this is true, it doesn't sound like there are 48, 48 and 7, this doesn't sound like 55 people, this sounds like many more, which is in fact what the Gomorrah tells us. The Gomorrah tells us in source 9, Gomorrah in Megillah, Kedatanya Har you this is Yudala and Har ben Yisrael, there were many in Aviyem, Kiflaim, Qiyotsim, Mitzrayim. More than twice the amount who left Egypt, which if you're going to just take the men, that's 600,000 men, we're about 1.2 million at the very least. Now, you, you understand this? Meaning society of the time, society of the time was, was submerged in Navurah. I mean, it, it wasn't just that you know, like you went to Shmuel Hanavi the writer to find your donkeys, as Shaul did. It meant to say that every every street corner there were people who were gaining access or trying to gain access to the to the, to the divine. It was a society completely surrounded in the world of God, word of God. That's a, a completely different radical way of looking at it. So why do we not know about them? Why, why? So why don't we re- record no. have any records? Records of that? They oh, were not part of that. so that means to say that the good. so the Gemara says. The Gemara continues. Uh, shelo We only have recordings of the words of the people who are relevant to us. The nevoas which are relevant to us. Which means, although Yirmiyah was talking to audience was the people this time at the end of Bayis Rishon. When we read it, we're actually reading something which is relevant to us. We read yesterday the Yiftach the yesterday with Yiftach. Parashas Chukas, Siftach has a whole debate with Bnei Moav and Bnei Amod about land. When you read that, it's like reading the UN Charter today, right? <laughs> it, 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 meaning to say everything that we learn in Tanakh is relevant, is true, is significant to us as a secondary audience. Because that's why I was on the Volodorus, which changes the whole way. We read Navi, and that's the reason why we should learn Navi, why it's so important. Um, but nonetheless, this tells us a little bit more about the society that, as it was going on. Which now that we actually uh, there was another point I wanted to focus on, but we don't have enough time right now. And that is, is the personality of the Navi, right? How the personality of the Navi actually affects their Navua, because we know we Rambam already talked about Dargos, different levels of Naviim. So does their he, does their the, does their life. Does their history, does their their family background affect the way that they receive prophecy? And we're going to see absolutely it does. What we'll do is next week, when we start talking about Moshe Rabbeinu and his uniqueness, we'll focus on this point, because this relates to it. But here's here's the question I'd like to leave with and and consider in closing. And that is the following. Is that, um, the the first question which should be in the the backdrop to us is, if this is the type of society that was led in Tanakh, number one is, so why were they all serving Avodah Zarah then, it sounds like. Meaning, if on every street corner you'd, you'd bump into somebody who'd had a close conversation with God and could tell you things about what God wanted in this world, then how could you possibly end up doing the wrong thing, number one? There were false right? prophets. Oh, so number one, there happens to be false prophets, which is very important. right? We know that certainly in the times of Yerim there were many false prophets. We know about the number one, Hananiah ben Azur. There, was, there were many. So there were other people who were, uh, I guess, you know, pretending that they had the word of God, when in fact they weren't. That's one, one, one possibility, which That's is... You. You need ah. 50 Very good. 50 so we're going to get... So that let's, the good. For Kiddusha, the ah. so let's, let's go get di- di- in that direction. Okay. Number two, question number two is, is, just before we get to that point, is, Nivuah stopped. Why did Nivuah stop? Meaning, there was a thousand years of Nivuah, and Nivuah stopped. Why did Nivuah stop? So, in fact, we have predictions of the ending of Nivuah in the Navi itself. Okay? There's many, many times where the Navi says that Nivuah is going to stop. One of them is, in fact, a famous song, um, which, uh, you know, we should really, really get the context of. This is in for Amos. Amos is one of the most chilling Swarim, Amos was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel but just before their exile. He says the following, Hine ha-shem. This is a beautiful song, and everybody is sing, and it's beautiful. Hine ba'im, right? Beautiful song. There's days that are going to come. There's going to be a famine in the land. There's going to be a famine, not for bread, not for water, but to hear the Word of God. And everybody is at an emotional high, and this is so beautiful, and we all want to hear the Word of God. Listen to the next passage. And everybody's going to be looking for the Word of God, and you won't find it. So, you know why Amos says this? Because you read really for Amos. And what happens is that people reject Amos and they say, we don't want to hear you, Amos. You know what, Amos, you probably are looking for a job. That's why you're prophesizing to us. So, you know, Amos, we'll give you lunch. We'll give you a good stop and just go, you know, just stop talking to us, Amos. So Amos says at the end of his book, there's going to come a time you're going to need God. You're going to want God. You're going to desperately, (coughs) desperately just wish you could hear one syllable from God. And you're going to look and you're never going to find it says, Amos, you don't appreciate Nevoah now, there's going to come a time, and you're going to search for it, and you're not going to find it. You're going to have to peep through the cracks, and that's all you're going to have. That's what the Amos says. Terrifying, right? He's already talking about the end of this. In fact, this is what it says in Avast Rebbe Nossam, in Source 15. says, "Al Nossam, in Perik Bez, Mehem." says, There were three things which Israel did not appreciate. They disgraced. They despised. And they lost. And none of them were Al Nevoah, Al Malchus, Bezdov, Al Mikdash. Al Nevoah. Um, and uh, and then he quotes the pasuk over there, which which substantiates that. One of the things that we we we, we did not appreciate was nevuah, and therefore was taken away. We weren't we didn't appreciate it. Sashem says, okay, you don't need to have it. That's that's t- tier number one. Want to go a little further? There's a fascinating description over here. This next source is what's called Seder Olam. Seder Olam is a midrash, and it's a, it's a historical midrash. It goes through creation based on Chazal. Most of Rashi is built on Seder Olam. Okay, so Rashi and the timelines that Rashi talks about is usually built. On the uh, the, the of Seder Olam. This is the last paragraph. Peric- this is really the end of Seder Olam. It goes till this point in history. He says the following. He's talking about the arrival of Greece. He says <laughs> When Alexander the Great arose, Alexander <laughs> the Macedonian arose, that's when um, he ruled for 12 years. <laughs> He says, from that moment onwards, the advent of Greece as a dynasty, as an empire in the world, was the moment where you could no longer hear Nevoah, you had to listen to the words of Chokhmah. The only way we could access it through was through wisdom. That's all we had left. That's all we had left. That's what the Sadar Olam says. When Alexander great, this is interesting, this is a good, interesting Hanukkah to try to appreciate how so the arrival of Greece is the diminishing of prophecy. But... On this, there's a footnote. The Biragra, the Vilna Gon, who comments on almost every aspect of Torah that we have, says on the Seder, Olam the following. Listen to this, this, this footnote in your base. Uh, Rav Leichman, uh, one of my teachers, used to always say this. is a remarkable, remarkable Vilna Gohan. When they killed the Yetzirah, uh, then the Nevoah stopped. What does he mean? He has what, he, he has what the Vilna is referring to. Again, the Vilna Gohan is in his cryptic manner. He's referring to a very fascinating incident. The incident is recorded in Yuma and Sanhedrin. The Gemara says in the following, in source 18, it's very worthwhile just to read this, it's such a powerful description. The Gemara says the following, De Toshma, it says, In the book of Nehemiah, the, the, the leadership of the time, which is unshaken of because Nehemiah is one of, the, the, of that, the new, we'll call it, establishment, as people are returning to the land for the building of the second base of Mikdash. So they called out to Hashem in a great voice. What, what, what do they call out to Hashem? This is at a period, period of spiritual revival. When we say the this is from this period of time, the new, the new covenant of Israel as they're making their new establishment in the land of Israel. the of They said, God's. What's going on? There's this entity, which is the one that is in fact responsible for the burning of our house. Killed the tzaddikim. Rid, uh, made, uh, exiled Israel from their land. And it's still dancing among us. There's this entity which is destroying us still now. <laughs> What's he referring to, by the way? What's he referring to? Yes? The, Ezra. the Ezra of? Avodah Zarah. Avodah Zarah. Avodah Zorah, meaning that people are so, so running after Avodah There's this burning desire. <laughs> it says that Menashe, when, when, when Rav Asher was about to learn the Gomorrah, he was about to teach about Menashe. He says, the next morning, he said, I'm going to tell you about Menashe Chavreim. Menashe, our friend, Rabbi Menashe, the king, came to came to in a dream and he says, if you'd been in our times, you'd been pulling up the, your, your, the skirt fringes to run out to Avada Zorah. It was a burning, burning passion to serve Avodah Zarah. It says Zorah. It says, God, we it's still here. How can we survive? Now they make a cheshbon. So they said, look, you know, we understand. Hashem, you gave us the Yetzirah for Avodah Zorah in order that we should overcome it and receive reward. And he says, we don't want the challenge, and we don't want the reward. It's the stakes are too high. Look what happened. We lost. So, so they um, they 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 stayed three days in Tannis and they re- requested mercy from Hashem. And the, a, a a note fell down from heaven, and it was written MS, which is the seal of God. Okay. okay, so we see that the, the, the signature of God is MS. What happened was, the Yeshua of Azara took the form of a burning lion and emerged from the Kodesh HaGadoshim. It ran out of the Kodesh HaGadoshim. And the Navi, because remember this is the end of Nebuah, said, that is it. That's it. That form, that, 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 that being, is the Ayat HaGadoshim. Ba'adit kotav this egg fell out of it and, and destroyed this great, great territory as they were capturing it. So they said, maybe the Hashem has mercy on this being. Navi, and they said, "Well, we'll cover it. We'll put it submerged in a lead uh, pit and cover it with lead." And that's how they killed it. And and they and they removed the ziyat of The Gemara goes on to say that in fact they said, "Well, now that we're now that we're bargaining, let's take away the of of, of Gilaiaraz." They took it away. There was no eggs laid, and uh, and then they sort of they they, they sort of. They, they they requested it back but <laughs> tempered, and that's why sort of the the of incest sort of was, was sort of taken back. This Gomorrah is is remarkable. Says the Vulgarin, what's going on over here is the same thing. When did Navur disappear? Navour disappeared at the point that the Yatsov of Vorozaro disappeared. Meaning when Ainshek Nasadala requested the removal of Avodah Zorah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, sorry, it comes with something else. And that's what comes back to Dr. Yeager, which is that Hashem communicates to the world in very powerful ways. But as powerful as the ways He communicates in this world, there has to be another door. There has to be another opportunity for human beings to make rational choices. And therefore, as there is the power of God in the world, the clarity of God in the world, and He speaks to human beings... There's another power in the world, and there's a dark force in the world, and there's a very dangerous force which also actually has power according to the most of Orashem, and that is Avodah Zorah. Now you can understand, why were people running after Avodah Zorah? What was the desire? Because it actually yielded power. It was equally as plausible to them as it was listening to all the nevi'im they had on the street corners that they had access to. These millions of people. Why? Because there was this other force. And they lost. They weren't able to. So Hashem says, you know what? Experiment closed. You know what we we're going to do? based on our Knesset uh, request, we'll take away the Avodah But along with it comes direct communication. You're going to live in the world now where you have to work with your minds. And when you work with your minds, you also come to the wrong conclusions. You also arrive at the ba- bad conclusions. But the stakes aren't as high as when it comes to Avodah And that became the new era, which is the era that we live in. Where we search for God, we search with our minds. We sometimes come to the wrong conclusions, we some- sometimes come to the right conclusions. There's two doors still. But it's not the same doors as it was with the and um, uh, a and uh, an To close on this particular on this particular issue, let's uh, let's just uh, maybe we'll end on a more a more a popular a more a, a beautiful <coughs> note, and that is the end of parashas by Chum, um, Moshe Rabenu has the experience where there's these two people called Eldad and Medad, and they are chosen to be neviim. And in fact, they were neviim, but they didn't come to the they didn't come to the oil market and start they start prophesizing in camp. So everybody gets very excited. Um, um, and you you, you, sure, you, you sure wants to lock them up. And am mm-hmm. Are you being my, jealous to me, on my sake? All of the people of God should be neviim. Says Moshe. Mm-hmm. that every should have the spirit of God in them. Says Beautiful insight. Yeah. Says the, the it is possible. Moshe bekan Moshe. Excuse me. He's referring to Moshe Rabbeinu, maybe he's thinking about the times of, of, of Moshe. God willing, there should be a time, says, says Moshe Rabbeinu, that there could be a time where even without the Yetzirah, we still have access to the divine and every single person will be Kamaim the that Hashem's Ruach will be will be um, spread out to all of humanity. And we should all be able to access God. And that, that should be the brochure we end with. Next week, we're going to start seeing now the diversity of experience and how that, uh, that, uh, that affects Nevoah, and therefore the uniqueness of Moshe Benu as it relates Shabbat to Bashar's Bodak. of I think we're going to still go, okay, if that's all right. We're not going to do Tisha but I want to do not lose losing week. To, uh, Here. Yeah.